0: Well, if you were here last week, I, I introduced a, a little three-week sermon series to, to help us start the new year, and uh, we're calling it Back to the Start. We call it Back to the Start because we're looking at three words that were important to John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, and they were so important to, to, to Wesley that he made them a part both of his monogram and the membership document of the earliest, earliest Methodists. And these three words, as you see on the screen, believe, love, and obey, these three words are used in 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, which we focused on last week. Last Sunday, we we looked at the importance of knowing what we believe, because if we want to have a right relationship with God, we have to have a right understanding of who God is. So today we're taking a look at that second word uh, in Wesley's monogram there, and the word is, is love. And the scripture that, that we're exploring today, that Jared just read, is from another document that, that John wrote, and this is his, his gospel uh, of Jesus' life. In John chapter 13, uh, we find Jesus preparing to die on the cross. In fact, the setting for this scripture is the Last Supper, um, as, as we have come to call it. See, Jesus is giving his disciples some final instructions before his arrest and his crucifixion. And in verses 34 and 35, John remembers Jesus saying this. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Now notice that John is clear to point out that, and when you look at verse 31, an interesting scenario here. Verse 31 says, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now who just left? Well, if you look at the passage before, we see That the person who left was Judas. And John wants us to know that Jesus said this after Judas left. Now, when Judas left that that Last Supper, it, it was no big deal to the other disciples. See, Judas was the banker, he was the keeper of the money. And somebody had to pay for that Last Supper. And so he went, they thought, to go pay the bill. Or maybe he went to get supplies they needed for the Passover weekend. It was no big deal in their minds for Judas to leave. But Jesus and Judas both knew why he left. He was off to betray Jesus. And in betraying Jesus, who knows? Judas may have thought that he was doing something good. I'll explain that in a second. But ultimately, it ended up not being so good. You know, we don't know much about Judas Iscariot. We really don't. We know that he kept the money, that he was trusted well enough to be able to do that. Many scholars believe that he came from the Sicarii, which was a group of assassins who wanted to overthrow the Roman government. Judas may have thought that having Jesus arrested would start a revolt against the Romans by the Jewish people. And it would reestablish Jewish control over the region. So if that was Judas' intention, and we can't get inside his mind, we don't really know. Maybe he was trying ultimately to do something good. But ultimately that good he was seeking was for his own desires, wasn't it? It's what he thought he should do. Outside of what Jesus wanted, he was going to do his own thing. And that's not love at all. And so maybe that's why Jesus gave the commandment after Judas left. Because Judas' heart had already turned from love to selfishness. So he couldn't understand what this commandment was all about. See, Jesus says in John 13, think about this. That our our love for each other, how we treat each other, is actually evangelistic. Think about that. When we love other people, we're missionaries because it draws people to Jesus. Isn't that what he says? I mean, it's been said that the number one reason why unchurched or pre-Christian people aren't part of a church is because of the Christians in the church. We don't get along. A lot of churches are dysfunctional. People don't like each other. Thankfully, that's not the case here. So why would somebody who's not part of the faith ever want to be part of a group like that? Come join us and you can hate everybody too. (laughs) No. We're supposed to draw people to Jesus, not... Drive them away from him. I mean, if, if Christians around the country were truly following Jesus' commandment in John 13 to love each other, every sanctuary in America would be filled to capacity because people would just want to be with us. Our love for each other can draw people to God. You know, it was about 60, maybe 65 years after Jesus spoke these words to the disciples that one of the the youngest disciples who was there, named John, was now a very old man. He was probably the last surviving disciple of Jesus, was John. And as he wrote a letter that we know of as 1 John, To encourage Christians around the Roman Empire, he remembered the words of Jesus on that night before he died. So let's turn there. Turn, Turn back with me to 1 John chapter 3. This is our scripture last week. 1 John chapter 3 verse 23. All the way almost to the back of your Bible. John is remembering the words of Jesus here when years before on that last supper he gave them a new commandment to love each other. Listen to what John writes. 60 years after Jesus gave them the commandment. And this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us that interesting that John remembered that moment with Jesus and all those years later, a lifetime later he's now sharing that with other Christians and, and when, in 1 John 2, 3, 23's mention of loving one another actually goes back to verse 18. We've got to look at verse 18. He says, little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. In other words, don't love in word or tongue, but in deed or truth. Deed and truth. Think about these, these four terms here. Don't love in word or tongue, But in deed and truth. Word and deed are opposites, aren't they? Tongue and truth are opposites too, and we'll see why in just a second. To love someone in word is to love someone enough that you can tell them that you love them, but it's not strong enough to actually demonstrate it by living it out. I love you, but uh, I'm not going to do that for you. That's loving them in word. That's easy to do. To love with the tongue was a first century figure of speech. It means to tell somebody that you love them but you really don't. It's pure hypocrisy because it's not true. To love one another indeed is to put the needs of others before our own. It's sacrificial living without regard of how it's going to affect us. It's doing for others what we would hope they would do for us. That's loving someone indeed. Now, to love one another in truth is simply to love others with a genuine love because you honestly love them. Now, this doesn't mean that we're supposed to love by deed and truth just the people that we like and who don't drive us crazy. That'd be easy. This kind of love means everybody. maybe even those people that have hurt us in the past. It sounds impossible, doesn't it? To actually love someone who has hurt us indeed and in truth. Yet if the love of Jesus has transformed our lives, it's not impossible. Being able to love others in deed and truth is the direct outcome of, of a life that's been transformed by Jesus. It's the evidence of a life that's surrendered to Jesus. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes it's difficult to love somebody who isn't very likable. Of course, everybody in this church is likable, just, just for the record. Sometimes we don't want to love somebody, we don't, they drive us crazy. Why would we want to love that person? Sometimes, and this can happen to me, I, I confess this. Sometimes we just want to get business done and on to the next thing. I don't have time to love you. We got work to do. That's my growing edge in life. We don't have time to deal with people. It's about productivity. Don't waste a single second. That's that's me on vacation. Got to see as many things as possible. Go, 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 go. We miss it. And let's be honest, isn't it? Don't you secretly wish, wouldn't it be nice to just take a vacation from our Christian responsibilities every once in a while? We all have those thoughts. Many of you know that a couple of weeks ago, um, Cheryl and, and I and our, our, and our kiddos went with Cheryl's extended family on a, on a cruise, and it was to celebrate her parents' 50th wedding anniversary. It was a great cruise because I didn't have to pay for it. It was great. And it was really nice to get away with, you know, and just be with the family. You know, that there were 10 of us, and it, it was a lot of fun. One thing I did notice on this ship that we were on, the crew on the ship didn't seem very happy. They were just getting the work done because it was their job and they were stuck on a ship. And they just had to get the work done. They didn't look like they were enjoying themselves at all. They were just going through the motions. Now, the ship we were on was, was beautiful. Beautiful. But the crew just didn't seem very happy. So Julianne and I noticed this, and we and we we had a pact. And our mission was to make as many crew members as possible smile throughout the week, not not in a creepy way. Smile, smile. No, it wasn't creepy. It was just it's just try to brighten their day. I mean, we didn't have to do that. I mean, we were on vacation. Those people were there to serve us, right? But our focus was on their well-being. And you know what? A funny thing happened. At night in the main dining room, as the ten of us would sit around this table for ten, it was perfect. And just as we interacted with each other, our table servers knew that there was something different about us. They could just tell. When we bowed to give thanks for our food at dinner. I mean, we didn't do that to be showy. But just because that's just what we always do wherever we are. We have food before us and a lot of people don't. And so we're thankful for it. So We want to tell God about it. By the last few nights of the cruise, our servers began to open up to us about their lives. They probably weren't supposed to. So instead of saying, have a wonderful night, they would say, have a blessed night. And on the final night, one of them, she was the lady who snuck me all the little rolls. I don't know if Cheryl saw it, but um, she, she said to me, may God continue to bless you, sir, as he has blessed me. Remember what Jesus said. Love each other so that others might know that you're my disciples. Love each other so that other people will know that you're my disciples. See, there's an assumption in that statement that Jesus makes. Jesus When he said that, love each other so that others might know you're my disciples, the assumption is that we want people to know that we're Jesus' disciples. That's a big assumption Jesus is making because sometimes it's easier if people don't know, isn't it? Jesus assumes that his disciples will want others to know that we've given our lives to him. But sadly, too many of us are either embarrassed or afraid to let people know that we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. Well, it might cause us to change how we speak. It might cause us to change where we go. It might cause us to change how we spend our time or how we treat people. And oh my goodness, people might start treating us differently. That would be awful, wouldn't it? See, Jesus gives us a command, not a suggestion, that we love one another. He didn't say, you know, y'all, it's a good thing if y'all would just love each other. He uses the word commandment. He commands us to love one another so that other people will know that we are his disciples. That means that other people's needs, other people's wants come before our own. See, that, there's one thing for that to take place inside these walls. But you get outside these walls and it's a different world. Are we willing to live that way outside of these walls? Jesus commands us to. See, until we believe who Jesus is, until we love other people the way he tells us to love them, until we do those two things, we don't have the motivation to obey God by being faithful to him. And that's where we're going to conclude next week. So come back. Let's pray.